Technology. Love it or hate it, it's here to stay and evolve. Each year, creators, sellers, and buyers gather in Las Vegas to share what's new, what's better, and what's different at the Consumer Electronics Show, or CES. Mark Saltzman is a reporter who covers the tech industry and a previous guest on Life Slices. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of tech. It's like this year, it was 135,000 people. In its heyday, pre-COVID, it was about 180,000 people, all jamming into the Las Vegas Convention Center and surrounding facilities like the Venetian Expo and other conference centers and hotel rooms and suites, all to kick the tires on tomorrow's tech today. He's here to talk about what's in store for tech 2024. I'm Steve Fisher, and this is Life Slices. Mark Saltzman is one of the top reporters on consumer electronics, online technology, business tech, interactive entertainment, and future trends. He's Canadian, so he's too (laughs) modest to say that, but I'm a brash American, so I can. What else should people know about you? Thank you, Steve, for having me on the podcast on on Life Slices. You're so funny and flattering. I'll take it. What what else can I say? Yeah, I've been doing this for 30 years. I started part-time in 94 reviewing video games. And then in 96, I quit my day job. I was a bill collector, of all things, uh, to um, be a full-time journalist. And then I wrote my first book in 96. I started on the radio in 96 and then expanded to TV. So yeah, it's it's I've been 30 years later and as you know in the tech world uh, that that's like a that's an eternity. <laughs> yes. 30 years is it's like 100 years, you know, dog years or whatever, right? It's just everything evolves so rapidly. But no, I love it. Self-employed. I work I live in and work in Toronto, Canada and very fortunate to have a long career in this space including your former stomping grounds, Costco Connection magazine and I'm on their TVs as well. So sorry about that. My wife hates it. She's like, I feel like you're watching me shop I'm on their TVs. I hate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's a good gig. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for the many decades I've had doing this. We've got you here today. You're a re- return guest, which we haven't had a lot of. Yeah, how thrilling. Thank you. We want you here to talk. You just returned from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. What and where is CES? So the Consumer Electronics Show is in Las Vegas every January. As the name suggests, it is the place where a lot of the big electronics that we use, often on a regular basis, makes its initial debut. So it's over 50 years old. So we're talking about the VCR making its debut in the early 70s, the CD player in the 80s, you know, high-definition television in the 90s, driverless cars about a decade ago. So this is the show. It's kind of like the Super Bowl of tech. It's like this year, it was 135,000 people. In its heyday, you know, pre-COVID, it was about 180,000 people, all jamming into the Las Vegas Convention Center and surrounding facilities like the Venetian Expo and other conference centers and hotel rooms and suites, all to kick the top on tomorrow's tech today. So it's very exciting. So journalists, analysts, retailers are going to meet with exhibitors. And it's all the big names that you know, with the exception of usually Apple, they kind of do their own thing. But everybody else is here, whether it's an automotive company, or it's smart home innovations, wearable tech, computers and accessories, pretty exciting stuff. So going back to that football analogy, I called it the Super Bowl of tech. It is the biggest show of the year for our industry. It is the equivalent of 45 football fields, about two and a half million square feet of showroom floor space. So it's so big and massive that I feel like I, even though I saw a lot over the three days, and I I probably missed a whole bunch too. (laughs) Can the general public attend CES or do you have to be in the business? 
Yeah, nope. The general public cannot attend CES. You have to be in the industry to register and, and get approved. That includes broadcasters. They have to apply and, and uh, prove that they broadcast from a certain outlet. And you can work with the show, as I did, to broadcast from the from the LVCC, from the convention center itself. It's an industry-only show. That is That is true. But if you're a tech lover... And if you're listening to this Life Slices podcast with yours truly as your guest this hour, that uh, this week, then if you do like tech, you know that there's no shortage of ways to see what's going on at CES without attending CES. There's so many websites and podcasts all about this industry. This is a, a massive undertaking and a lot of people crammed into one place. Is everybody wearing masks? What, what what's the vibe yeah, like at this there, place? Yeah, there are some who wear masks because there are a lot of people, but you're not crammed together, right? Because we're talking like a huge show. And so like physically. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of space, but yeah, you'll find a good chunk of, of uh, folks wearing masks just to err on the side of caution, and especially if you take the tram around the city. There's also underground now you can go and use the Elon the Musk thing, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's like the it's not it's the loop system, but it's not the hyperloop where it's like a train that's like on mag pulled by magnets. This is Teslas that drive underground. There's only like five, six stops right now. The idea is to connect all of Las Vegas, but certainly convenient. So what would take normally, say, 40 minutes to walk from one convention show floor building to another, uh, it may only be like a four-minute ride, which is great. Yeah, so they, they, that's only the second year in a row, I think, that they've had this. So there's other ways to get around. There's shuttles and buses that will take you from the Venetian to the Las Vegas Convention Center. So it, it's busy. But uh, yeah, there, 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 are, there are some folks who are a bit cautious. In fact, CES 2020 is often cited as the ground zero uh, for COVID in the U.S. because there was already a lot of people infected in China and other in other parts of Asia that came unknowingly, came to CES. And then right after that show, it was trending on Twitter, the hashtag CES flu. And then Wired Magazine did a, a study, and I think it was in May or April or May of 2020 that said they've traced a lot of the cases for all these people coming to uh, Las Vegas, and then everyone is mingling, and then they go back to their respective cities and, and countries. So CES 2020 was, I think, the breeding ground before it was officially a oh, uh, pandemic. Yeah, that, that's going to give a lot of fuel to all the people who already hate tech. <laughs> there you go. Blame it. Blame it on the Blame, blame it, it on, on the us. tech industry. Oh, now, the Las Vegas is not exactly a sleepy little town. So how do you avoid the distractions? I just, I'm super disciplined. I, I don't gamble when I'm there for CES. I, I allow myself to go out one night. So I saw Green Day play the JBL concert. It was a corporate event. So that was fun. I always go out the last night just because also, uh, as you know, Steve, I, I get up in the middle of the night. I do these TV interviews that start at three in the morning from the show floor. So I try to slip into bed as early as eight just to get a couple hours of shut-eye. So I'm not roaming the town, but there are others who are just chomping at the bit to go to Las Vegas for CES because they love all the after-hour stuff. I just happen not to be one of them. So when you go to the floor at 3 a.m., is there anything going on? No, no. There's other broadcasters like me, cleaning crew, and you're broadcasting with the, hopefully you don't hear vacuums going on, but it's happened where I've got a cameraman and we're on like a sound stage. It's kind of like a, they call it the broadcast pavilion. There's a few of them, in fact. And so it's a nice backdrop. You can see the depth of the, in, in my case, the central hall. I'm just doing live hits uh, with various stations beginning on the East Coast, finishing on the West Coast. There's no one there. There's no one there. And then slowly around, we wrap up at 9 or 10 a.m. 
that's when pe- exhibitors start coming in and, and setting up and then the show floor, the doors open to the general public, well, to the attendees, yeah. So in addition to being a reporter on tech, you're also a tech fanboy. So how does the fanboy avoid tech overload? <laughs> I am like a kid in a candy store walking around CES. It is so exciting to, to someone like me. So I just, I, it's, there's just so much to cover. Yeah. You could, you could really kill yourself trying to do it. But yeah, my tips to first time CES goers is comfortable shoes, keep hydrated, have lots of snacks in your backpack because it could be a lineup of 300 people waiting for a hot dog. You know, so yeah, there's a couple of tips. Yeah. You, and, and plan accordingly. Like don't book meetings, one in the West Hall and then a half an hour later in the, North Hall, you're you're not going to make it. So it's a it's a typical rookie mistake. You got to clump all your meetings together if have meetings at all. I actually avoid committing to a time to meet someone at their booth because it's so impossible to keep. Even though my my intentions are good, there's just too many other moving parts that are out of my control. So I just tell companies, hey, LG, Samsung, Sony, I'll be there. I just don't know when, but I'll be there, and I'll try to narrow it down to a particular afternoon. Or, but uh, yeah, it's it is exciting. It's it's overwhelming, but I love it. So I'm like ear to ear grin walking around this kind of show. Awesome. I want to go some year if I ever can get the credentials. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here. What were some of the new gadgets or software that impressed you or surprised you? All right. So before we talk about TVs, robots and all that, which are the two kind of categories that I get asked a lot about, it would be remiss not to acknowledge that 2024 CES was all about AI for the most part. So as you know, in November of 2022, OpenAI, the company released ChatGPT, which took the world by storm. So a lot of the headlines in 2023 were all about generative AI, conversing with really intelligent technology that can not just give you help that like a Google or a Siri or a Alexa can give you when you ask questions, but generate content for you. You can ask it to create an image, you can ask it to write copy for you and, and goes above and beyond what personal assistants can do. But now we're seeing with a show like CES, that this technology is being infused into hardware. So it's this marriage of software and hardware. AI on chip is one of the buzzwords, whether it's in a car, whether it's in a toothbrush, whether it's in a a laptop. And I think laptops makes the most sense. So Intel, for example, made a big splash there with their ultra-core technology. Other vendors, like the likes of Lenovo and Acer and Asus and HP and Dell, they have now this AI in their PC. So now you can talk to your PC. It combs through your own data. So you can say, Steve, to your laptop, show me the email where I was promised to raise or where are my wedding photos? And so you're relying on more on the computer and less on the cloud where chat GPT and other gen AI tools, large language models generally live. So you're now waiting longer because it's in, over the internet. And then it's also less secure to have your data out there. So it's faster, it's more secure, and it's more personalized having AI on chip. Yeah, you'll still need the cloud for certain things, of course. But the idea is that it's customized to your content because it's looking at your calendar, your emails. You can even have it wirelessly sync with your phone, and and that means your text messages, your social media direct messages, and you can get very customized, personalized responses. And again, it's just much faster. So that was, AI is like powering everything. All the smart home stuff was all AI. So just getting more intelligent, more self-aware of what what, you know, when it should work, when it should be, when you want to use it, when you don't want to use it, also to save 
to save money on electricity and all that. So it's just smart home tech is getting smarter as well, thanks to AI. That's not going to be welcome news to a lot of people who are terrified of AI and feel it's going to take over the world. I hear you. And it's funny, I just wrote about the new Samsung Galaxy S24 devices that were just unveiled in San Jose. And it was all about AI, of course. So my the the first sentence of my article about this new these new phones was, if you're sick of hearing about AI, at least wait until you get your hands on the new phones, get that kind of a thing. Because everybody's rolling their eyes, whether because they're sick of it, because it's dominating news for the last year, or they already don't like technology, and this is one more thing they need to learn, or they feel threatened, their job may be at, at risk if AI can perform, do what you do for less or for free or faster or cheaper, or you're worried about AI taking over the world. There's a lot of concerns about AI. So Yes, this is, uh, if you had walked around the 2024 Consumer Electronics Show, you probably wouldn't feel so great about the state of everything if you did not like artificial intelligence. It's a tool. Look, it's not, nothing to fear. I think that there's going to be lots of safeguards in, in place so it doesn't get too out of hand, despite what Elon Musk and others uh, may think. I, I think it's going to just be, it's going to be just like the internet is a tool, a calculator is a tool. It's not going to replace human ingenuity. It'll, it'll augment it. Especially when you look at so many levels of frustration in society with our politicians all around the world, as we were talking about before we started the sh- the podcast, I think that a lot of people would probably rather vote for AI to take over than <laughs> a lot of the people we're voting for. <laughs> Fair enough. And and I know you're joking, ter- tongue firmly planted in cheek. But 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 uh, just talking about government for a quick quick second, I do think that artificial intelligence should be legislated and should be controlled and there should be some safeguards as i mentioned whether they're legal ones or ethical ones. and there's it's a complicated topic it's it's evident that we're, our, our devices are going to get a lot more intelligent. And I saw that firsthand. So PCs for sure was, uh, you know, something that was, that's a, that's a no-brainer to see laptops powered, often with a little button that you press just to ask it a question or whatever. I saw some fun stuff too, like a robotic bartender for your home. It's, uh, I guess I was going to ask about that because I've seen a, a number of them. Aren't there more than one on the market yeah. now? There's a couple. There's some that are kind of gimmicky where it's it's like a like the torso and up of a robot with hands and like arms that are mixing you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a soda stream or I don't know, an espresso or Keurig kind of machine, but it mixes it mixes drinks for you. So for example, there's a company called Barsys, B-A-R-S-Y-S, and they unveiled their Barsys 360 at CES. So it looks like this kind of tabletop sphere that you put your drink in the middle of. It's like a big hole in the middle. It's like Mm -hmm. a donut, I guess. And then you fill it up with six different liquids. So let's say three spirits and three mixes. And then on the Barsis app, the companion app, you you tell it what you've poured in there. So number one is vodka. Number two is gin. Number three is soda. Number four is tonic, that kind of thing. And it will use AI to tell you what drinks you can make with it. They've got a couple of thousand drinks from like recipes from famous bartenders and mixologists, or you can make your own, whatever. So at the top of a button, in about five seconds, you can have like a Long Island iced tea. So it pours it, mixes it all for you perfectly. If you like a stronger drink, you can identify that in the in the app. 
how you can get two shots instead of one, that kind of thing. But it's just fun. It's, it's a, lots of colors. It's a, a bit of a conversation piece. So that's that, that's a very specific kind of robot. When are those going to get affordable? Well, four fifty or four seventy five. Yeah, that's out of reach for for many folks. I I hear you. It is a luxury gadget. Like obviously, you can most people can just pour their own drinks. Let's face yes. it. Yeah, but I think that for what it does, it's not a horrible price. They do have something for a hundred and something bucks called the Barsis Coaster, where you have to do the work, but it's like a, it's got like a scale, and you put the drink, the glass on the scale. It looks like a coaster, as the name suggests, and it's got colors, and it guides you through making the perfect drink on an app with weights and measurements and stuff. Like most technology, it comes out at a premium, and then it, it, over time, it gets less expensive. Barsis does have a higher-end model called the Barsis 2.0 Plus. That's like 2300 or something in that neighborhood. Much bigger. It's got more moving parts. It actually moves your glass around the, around the device to pour different... And you put a whole bottle in upside down in six compartments or so. Same app, but the, the Barsis 360, I think, is a little bit more of a graceful and smaller <laughs> approach. There's also cute robots like Samsung had one called Bali, where it rolls around your home. They actually introduced this in 2020, but this is a new and improved version. So it rolls around your home, kind of looks like a, a bowling ball, but now it's got a built-in projector. So not only will it roll over to you and tell you what your dog is doing in another room, but it'll project <laughs> an image on your wall and show you what the dog was doing, <laughs> or you can watch a movie, or if a video call comes in, Bali can roll over to you, say, hey, Mark, you've got Steve Fisher giving you a holler over Zoom and, and splash you, your face, on my wall. And because there's a built-in projector in Bali and you can have a conversation with it. <laughs> so it's kind of neat, and it's tied to your smart home. And I think projecting my face on your wall might make you sell your house. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> So yeah, there was some, and LG had a, a similar kind of all-purpose kind of robot. And then some are more lifelike, where there's no price tag on the, some of these other ones yet, where they look like a human, humanoid, bipedal humanoid with facial expressions and all that. But that's just to show what they're, there's no, no nowhere ready for, for, for prime time. We're not going to see Rosie the robot from the Jetsons anytime soon. Well, never mind that. I'm looking for my second wife. <laughs> there you go. You're so funny. What new creations did you see that didn't exactly wow you? That you're th looking at going, who would get that? Why would well, anybody a, use that? There was always some gimmicky stuff where you just kind of roll your eyes. It depends on what you're into, right? Some people would say, earbuds that can also take your temperature. Why? You know, why do I need that? But if you're, but if you're a runner and you want to know that there are, if you want to have heart rate sensor and body temperature sensor built in the earbuds, to me, I, I don't need something like that. So, but who am I to judge what somebody else thinks is, is ridiculous. But yeah, there, there's, there's always the silly stuff, glasses that when you look at people, it makes them look like cartoons. Like, why would I want that? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, there was a, there's some silly stuff. And then there was the ones where I wrote about this transparent TV. And the the, re the reaction from my followers on, on social media were very mixed, very polarized. Some were like, wow, that is unbelievable. I shot a video that I think has like a million views on Instagram, which is which is really good for me. I don't usually get those kinds of numbers. But the, the, yeah, the comments are all over the place. Some are like, this is the stupidest thing. Why do I want to see my wall behind the TV? Which is a fair comment. 
Which is, and I was thinking that exact same thing. Is, well, what you're is not the limited of this. Yeah. So the point is that because it's transparent, I'm referring to, by the way, the LG Signature T OLED television. It's both transparent and wireless, which both mean you don't like you don't have to put it in a specific place in your home. Like you're not limited as to where you put it because when the TV is turned off, it's virtually invisible. You see through it. So you could place it in a part of your home, like between, obviously you can't walk through it, so you're not going to put it in a hallway, but you can have it not just against the wall. You can place it somewhere else, have it pulled out a little bit if that fits your design, your decor better. Some TVs already are obviously on a stand or some are even on an easel, but this is not opaque. If you don't want it to be, it can be, so you can watch TV and not see behind it. That's obviously a mode within the TV, but the idea is that you can see behind it. And what's also cool about it, Steve, is when the TV is turned on, you could have content like, uh, an aquarium on so it's like a almost like a hologram so you've got people over for cocktails or you're entertaining whatever it's kind of a really neat conversation piece to have this content there but then when you want to watch super bowl or whatever obviously you're not going to want to see behind your television so look it's kind of neat just to show what's possible i think that's part of it with a lot of the tech that comes out at ces it may not make it to retail in that exact form. This one apparently will. LG says it is coming this year. But other times it's just to show what's possible and then it'll make its way into another product. But uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. But the idea is that this 77-inch TV can be fully transparent so you can see the room around you, which is kind of neat, or semi-transparent by having that digital information superimposed on top, like an aquarium, as an example. It's augmented reality, if you will. I forgot to mention the other part, the wireless part, Steve, is that there's no cables that you plug your components into on this TV. Yes, you have to you have to plug it into the wall for power. Other than that, though, and that's kind of hidden, by the way, that cable. But the other part of this TV is the LG, it's called the Zero Connect box that you get with this TV. Plug it in somewhere else in your home, like up to 10 feet away, like in the same room. It, it does have to have a line of sight. Excuse me. I said plug it somewhere else in your home. I meant in the room that the TV is in. That's what you connect your cable box to, your video game system, your Blu-ray player, if you still have one, whatever. And that will wirelessly send up to 4K video and audio to the TV. So that's kind of neat. They've had that in some of their other TVs, like the Signature M series that came out last year. But now it's in their T, which stands for transparent series coming in 2024. Samsung also showed a transparent TV. It's more for commercial applications, which might make sense, you know, in a storefront, but it was nowhere near ready for prime time and not for consumers. But it was it was cool to see it at their booth too. It looked pretty impressive. Not OLED either. It doesn't have the OLED screen. We see a lot of stuff at CES that, it, as you said, is just there to show us something is possible and it's not really ready sure. for practical use. What kind of stuff was yeah. there this year that that bill. Yeah, great question. So I, I alluded to a robot that had uh, human-like expressions and all that. That's not for purchase just yet. But also, I would say flying car concepts. There's This is nowhere near ready to come out, but they're just showing what's possible. So Hyundai was one company that showed a what they call is a, an EVTOL, so an electric vehicle vertical takeoff and landing capabilities. So you don't have to go to, because like, there are some quote unquote flying cars today that if it's allowed where you live, you still have to go to a runway. You need a certain license to, to, to drive slash fly this thing. But an EVTOL as vertical takeoff, like so in theory, again, legislation aside and, and insurance and all that, that you could take off from your driveway 
like a helicopter or a drone, let's say, but you're, you're, you're riding it, you're driving it. So there are some companies working on this. One is called the, one, one vehicle is called the Jetson One. Then we saw what Hyundai was showing. And a couple of years ago, they were showing another flying car or flying taxi concept. That's not coming out anytime soon. I remember, Steve, uh, one of the first CESs I attended in the early 2000s, I had experienced this kind of like smell vision for the internet. So it what basically it was a device that looked like a computer printer that you connected to your PC and instead of ink in the printer it had vials like scents and a bunch of them and the idea was that if you landed on a website let's say roses.com then the website will send instructions to your PC to emit this odor that would smell like roses. And it's a mathematical equation, like 2.5% of vial 1 mixed with 17.3% of vial 3. You get the idea. And it would make flowers. We we did like 10, 15 different things, everything from computer games where you can smell gun smoke, like in a shooter, to, to oranges and other citrus. Like you'd need, you know, obviously support from the website. So, and, it, it, of, and of course, they went, they went belly up like six months later. <laughs> there was a thing... Years when I was a kid, called Smellovision. Yeah, that's that what I was. They released yeah, yeah. a movie, and there was only one movie ever made with that called Scent of Mystery. Yeah, and it, nice. it was that's a good you know, and you did you you sat in the theater, and the movie played, and every so often, an atomizer would just spit stuff into the air. There's a couple of Disney rides kind of like that. There's an Avatar ride where you you sit on this kind of like a stationary bike thing and it makes it feel like you're riding the what are they called banshees i forgot what they're called from the movie but you're like flying on the pandora the planet and and when you are flying closer to water you may get a little bit of mist in your face so they had like something that sprayed very little water and then if you fly closer to the trees you smell kind of like pine and stuff like that so yeah it's a 4d experience whatever they call it but that was an example of something that we could have bought for our home to complement the internet died before it was born. Yeah. Now that I've been covering tech for almost 30 years, as I mentioned, Steve, I'm not curmudgeon-y yet, but I've been around. So whenever a young uh, a young pup gives me the whole pitch, like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm thinking in my head, dude, I've been around for so long. I know you're just drinking the company Kool-Aid, but I've got, I've got some perspective. Now I have to ask, being a podcaster, did you see any kind of new tech for podcasters? I didn't really see much. To be honest, there were in the Venetian Hotel, which is, and it was kind of an extension of the, from from the Las Vegas Convention Center that you can take a, a bus to uh, or a, an Uber to. But they had some audio setups and, and exhibitors where they were showing off new microphones. Some were the desktop variety, like I'm talking into right now. Others are wearable, like you're wearing. But nothing nothing really new. It's more, more me too. Some may have longer battery life. It was wireless or some new kinds of, ways to enhance the audio but i didn't think i can't even think of a brand that really stood out to be honest maybe they were there and i just missed it because again it's such a enormous show there's been a lot of talk with the absolutely frigid cold we've all been experiencing this winter there's been a lot of talk about how ev evs are affected by the cold and that there's showing a much diminished range. And I know that that is partially because of people using the heaters and the heaters drawing so much from the batteries. Was there any kind of new EV technology you saw that is going to revolutionize electric vehicles? Yeah, nothing that blew me away at this year's CES. I did see a few new solar solutions to help add a bit more range to the battery. 
whether it's solar on the roof of the EV or something you would hang over, you know, like a carport kind of thing, or something that you can put at home, even if you park inside of a garage, that could help. But usually at that point, you've got the plug-in solution, which is faster, that yields better, more energy than what solar can deliver. But if you go to, let's say, uh, if you go camping or something like that, there there's a few different solutions. But no, I didn't see anything there. It is true, I should mention, obviously, living in Canada as well, you don't get the range in, in a, a adverse weather than you would in a hot day. Uh, but then again, then you're cranking the air conditioning. But yeah, if colder weather can impact range considerably not just because you're using the heater, but the environmental factors as well on the battery. I think one day and one day soon, we'll be seeing easily a thousand miles instead of three, 400 miles. So it might still be a little bit early days for EVs in terms of range, but they're finding different ways to extend it little bits like the solar solution or regenerative braking, which helps charge up the, the battery a little bit when you're using it. It's only a couple of single digit percentages, but it all will work collectively. Smarter software that will allocate resources better. Yeah, it's an exciting time. I think it's just a little bit early for EVs. I know they're very popular where you are and uh, for good reason, but they're climbing up in price. Uh, some of those uh, incentive programs are gone depending on where you live. I'm still a fan of not having to buy gas ever again and they're you know to pay for oil changes and all the other benefits of evs we're still in, we're in like the model t four days of evs i know i'm t- but i'm still putting my money in hamsters and a wheel <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> I, I think then you have a pet and and something running your car at the same <laughs> time right. mark i think we we've come to the end of our little exploration here thank you for giving us an overview of the consumer electronics show the other thing you, you know thinking about solar panels powered cars they won't have to have windshield wipers because they won't work in the rain <laughs> that's good <laughs> i, I, that's I don't know one. if that's going to be a good thing i i've i've always thought you know they when, when they were talking about hydrogen fuel cells yeah, yeah. and i know that's still something in development yeah, and biodiesel but i was yeah. thinking boy what happens when there's fender benders on the road you see a little mushroom cloud <laughs> go up or something you know, it's like, oh there was another wreck over there <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> so, well, thanks again, and I, I appreciate your being here. I'm. I have to check with my financial advisor and make sure I'm not invested in the cloud anywhere. <laughs> oh no, there's still lots of future in the cloud, but it's, you know, oh okay, but uh, it'll be a combination <laughs> when it comes to AI on PC. Yes, you'll you'll start seeing a lot more of that. But the cloud's not going anywhere. That's for sure. Well, thanks, Mark. We'll we'll check in with you next January. Looking forward to it, Steve. Thanks so much for having me on the show. My thanks to Mark Saltzman for filling us in on this year's Consumer Electronics Show. Even though we may not all be allowed into the show, we are all consumers of its wares, and they're opening up our world in new and exciting ways each year, making our lives or work easier, theoretically. So the next time your frustration is leading you to yell at Alexa, Siri, Google, or Bixby, remember they're still in their infancy and trying, sometimes very trying. But I love you all. If you liked this program, please like Life Slices on social media and subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesley and Studios.